You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, March 30th. I hope you had an enjoyable Cesar Chavez Day holiday. We, of course, remember El Senor Chavez for his transformative work in the civil rights and labor rights movements, particularly here in our own home state. Don't forget that his actual birthday is tomorrow. And incidentally, he shares another birthday that you all will be interested to know. My own. Lift one for both of us tomorrow, Thursday, March 31st. Also up this week, take heed, dear listener, Friday is April Fool's Day. Think twice before believing everything you see online. However, come April 2nd, you may resume believing without reservation or hesitation everything that you see posted on any social media channel. And now on with today's interview. We caught up with Sarah Danford, change lead of the Student Information System Project. This is Mark Herzberger. Today I'm joined by Sarah Danford. She is Assistant Director of Academic Services from Division of Extended Studies, as well as Change Lead for the Student Information System Project. Sarah, welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm doing good, Mark. Thanks for having me. You got it. And I have to commend you as in your role as the Change Lead. You've been putting together some really nice articles to help us get to know the esteemed members of the SIS project. And now today we're going to turn the tables a little and try to get to know you a little bit more. Um, So before we dive into SIS project, though, your role within the hallowed halls of division extended studies, why don't you give us a little background on that and how long you've been doing it? Yeah, so I've been uh, with extended studies for coming up on seven years now. I was originally a program manager and managing some uh, data science and program programs and classes. And then I moved into academic services, which is an area in division extended studies that sort of supports the registrar functions in some ways. So academic services is kind of like we're the ruling forcers for some of the registrar functions as far as how courses can be structured, how programs can be structured, uh, what the approval processes are for those kinds of things. And I've been doing that for, I'd say, maybe four or so of my years at Extended Studies. I think as far as our podcast goes, well, one of our first people from Extension. So what's it like working over there? I like Extension because we've got a culture that's about being able to be nimble and make changes and be quick and respond to what the workforce needs. And so that means as I've worked at Extension, both on the academic side and now more on the behind the scenes kind of side, I've been able to engage with lots of new and interesting and different topics. Um, When I was a program manager, like I said, I managed some data programs and I got to sit in on some really cool lectures and classes and hear about really interesting things that are very present for folks out in the workforce right now. What, if any, jobs did you have before UCSD and Division of Extended Studies? Oh, boy. I'm one of those folks that's had a, a long and winding career path. I actually, in undergrad, studied technical theater at Wright State University back in Ohio, which is where I'm originally from. Um, Then I worked for a time at the La Jolla Playhouse as their assistant production manager, which was my first experience being on UCSD campus because they're over in the theater district. Then I spent some time working for a bicycle and triathlon shop down in Liberty Station 
running events and marketing for them, as well as managing some of their bigger uh, races. I'm sure there are lots of triathletes at UCSD. So if anyone has ever participated in the San Diego Triathlon Classic, I managed that event for a few years. This is great radio for the listeners, but I see your Zoom background, a bike. I don't know if that's a real bike or your Zoom background, but there it is. (laughs) That is uh, just a Zoom background, but at one time I had at least four bikes in the stable, as it were. (laughs) Yeah, so I got to do a lot of really cool events. I worked on an event that raised a bunch of money for pancreatic cancer research at UCSD. That was a really cool like event called Ride the Point that I managed for a while. And I also got to manage really cool races down at the velodrome in Belleville Park. That's sort of a niche area of cycling, but we like to say it's kind of like NASCAR with bikes. If folks aren't familiar with that, they should definitely check that out sometime. That makes me think round and round in a circle and plenty of crashes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it. it's fun. All right, let's tie it home a little. How did you become to be a change lead on the student information system project? Yeah, I think there's sort of two things sort of colliding at the same time. First, I got pulled in as a subject matter expert from uh, academic services to participate in the conference room pilot from the initial RFE. And then I think folks at Extended Studies and on the project team realized that there was a need for a change lead with specific knowledge of the Division of Extended Studies. And I had just finished up essentially change managing, but without the official title, the extended studies switch from Blackboard to Canvas. So I had already been, folks at DES had been used to seeing me in that role, having me communicate with them. So it was sort of a perfect, a perfect meeting there at that particular moment in time. And let's not bury the lead too far. So what is your quick elevator pitch on what is Student Information System Project to begin with? (laughs) The Student Information System Project, we're primarily working on finding a replacement for ISIS, which is our student information system we have right now. And then there are also some other, I'll say, satellite projects kind of happening under the same umbrella. We're looking at replacing the financial aid system. We are currently searching for a curriculum management system, which the campus does not have right now. and could really be of a great benefit to us. And for those who are looking for information, I'll give a plug. Like I said, Sarah's done a great job of putting together some articles that are on the ESR website. They talk about what's in and out of scope on the student information system project. What is curriculum management, what she just mentioned, and why we need it, a bunch of other articles, and then there's going to be a series coming out of like some get to know for the folks involved. So we'll stick, though, to the get to know, Sarah. What training or orientation did you receive to get you ramped up as a change lead? Yeah, so I actually came onto the project already having gone through ProSci, which is a change management methodology training here on campus sort of previous to coming into the role. But once I came into the role, I also got an additional change management orientation uh, with Lynn Underwood, who leads up the Strategic Organizational Change Management Group, kind of helping oversee all of the ESR projects and the change management there. And I also came into my role in the project with some background in taking classes, courses at Extended Studies on project management and managing teams and communications and that kind of thing. What's the role of a change lead in this project? 
Ooh, for me, being a change lead and working in change management is really about taking care of people. We're working on making these big changes to systems and to processes and um, how those things connect to each other. And it's really, really, really critically important to make sure we don't forget about the people side of that. And for me, that's what change management is really about, connecting the people to all of those other pieces that are changing. In your experience as the change lead so far, what have you found most rewarding? I really love getting to know people. And as a change lead, really my role is to do exactly that start to understand all the different areas of campus, all the people who work in those areas, what they do, what they're passionate about, what they're worried about, what they're scared about as relates to the project. And so I already came into the project really feeling like I understand a lot of the folks at Extended Studies. Not to say there's not room to continue getting to know people and learning more, but it's been a really amazing opportunity for me to start to build those same sort of connections and relationships outside of that little bubble of Extended Studies. What's been most challenging so far? Oh, I will say, I think I came onto the project expecting things to move a little bit more quickly and be a little more straightforward. Our path that we've been on so far has been a little windy, and I understand why. I agree with things like the fact that we closed the first RFP with a no award. I agree with all of those choices because we're really trying to make a huge fundamental change. And the core team, the governance, campus leadership all want to make sure they're making the right decisions. And so I agree with the path we've taken, but it's certainly not the path I expected. So that's been a bit of a struggle. And one of the things we talk about in the team very often is that change management starts with the team. And what that really means is that we have to talk ourselves through these changes and process things like being frustrated and being worried about things. Because if we don't work through those things together as a team, we can't help other people get through those things with these changes. Just so all the listeners are up to speed, since you brought it up, what's the real quick summary of where we are with the SIS project? Yeah, so we opened an initial RFP back a while ago, more than a year ago now. And then we had a big, long process of evaluating the folks who responded to that RFP. At the end of that long evaluation process, it was decided that we were going to close the RFP with no award because there really wasn't a system that was meeting the needs that we were looking for specifically. So we reopened a new RFP to search for a vendor who's willing to partner with us to bring their products up to a place where we know that our needs are going to be met both now and into the future. And so we've gone through meetings with all those different vendors, and now the various stakeholders, the core team, governance, leadership are having conversations about what the next step is. And with the next step in mind, or just in general, as far as this project goes, what are you looking forward to the most? Ooh, what am I looking forward to? Two things. One is... um, the positive changes that we can make in the process of this project and the preparation work we're doing, whether that's improving processes a little, whether that is improving the student experience as far as user experience with our different tools goes, there's so much room for positive change. And the other is really the energy and excitement that I see from our stakeholders and getting to sort of help them harness that to make these changes. One of the things that we've been hearing a lot throughout just campus in general, right, is fatigue, change fatigue. There's a lot going on. First, there was COVID, and then there's all these other ESR projects that have been happening on top of that. It's just lots and lots of change. But one of the things that has me really hopeful about this project is 
the amount of enthusiasm that we are seeing from our stakeholders in the various meetings we've been having and process mapping sessions. Folks really are excited for this change because they see how it can improve the student experience and improve their day-to-day working experience. That's not to say there's not also some trepidation, right? Some worry, some concern. That's all part of the package, but it's an excitement that I see that really makes me excited to keep moving forward with the project. And I'll pull one artifact that you might find amusing. This is going to be a big change. Part of it is, you know, ISIS has been in use for many, a many a year. I'm not sure if anybody knows exactly when it came online, but in a, don't tell my boss I had time to do this, but once I was looking through all of the campus notices are posted going back almost 30 years. So I found one, September 22nd, 1993, and the memo title is ISIS Enhancement Committee. (laughs) Yep. I feel like we've been making enhancements and trying to make enhancements to ISIS for a long time. As the Assistant Director of Academic Services, I'm one of those people that had the unique pleasure of being able to work directly in the green screens on ISIS, which was a really interesting experience for me the first time I had to go in there. And we really, as a campus, built up this incredible ecosystem around ISIS to be able to do all of the things that we need to do. And so a big part Part of our challenge as the project team is sort of unraveling that whole ecosystem and understanding how all the pieces connect together. And then in the future, being able to make connections between what is this big ecosystem we have around ISIS and how is that going to be replaced by or connect to or work with whatever that new system will be once we get there. And this is my fault. We're probably, again, guilty of burying the lead, but I want you to tell us a little too about your particular or the importance of your role representing Division of Extended Studies, because if I've been following your great articles correctly, I believe the plan henceforth is that all student data or as much student data as possible will be run through this new system and new ecosystem that's being built, right? Yeah. So one of the, we'll say, unique challenges with this project is right now there's essentially two versions of ISIS that exist. One is for the Division of Extended Studies and the other is for the rest of campus. And the goal, the idea right now is that it's not going to be like that in the future, that we're going to all be together in one system for lots of reasons, some of which are extended studies is is I think going to be a little more involved in things on campus going forward. We already have lots of touch points with campus and overlaps and programs that are both campus programs and extended studies programs. But I think there's going to be, I think leadership is expecting there to be some more of that in the future. Mm -hmm. And so in order to be able to support this idea of a lifelong learner, as opposed to just an undergrad student or a grad student, in order to be able to support students from high school potentially, all the way through retirement, we need to be able to serve them from one holistic system. And it's challenging because, as I think folks could probably imagine, as we've had these two systems sort of parallel but not connected, we've developed our own ways of doing things which in some cases may be similar and in some cases may be very different. And so we're going to have to figure out how to how to bring all of that together in the future. Let's wind it down. We learned uh, some of your exploits in the biking and triathlete world. So if you're still into those, cool. But what are some of your hobbies that, that keep you interested when you're not working on the SIS project? 
Um, one of my biggest sort of endeavors over the past few years, starting before the pandemic, but sort of continuing through it, has been uh, learning a second language. I've been learning Spanish over the past few years, and it has done really incredible things for me in my life, sort of opened my mind, changed my worldview, shifted the way I think about things. And it also, I think, has really taught me persistence, right? I think if you had talked to me at the beginning of that process, maybe four or so years ago, I don't think I would have told you that I'd be where I am today with the language. But it was one of those things that I just decided I was going to do it every day. And that was it. And I didn't really think too much about the end goal. I just was like, you know, this is something I want to do. I'm going to do it every day here now can speak rather fluently, perhaps not quite at the level I'd like to be able to speak, but I can speak fluently and I've traveled and been able to use that and to make really great friendships with folks around the world. So that's where I spend most of my free time right now and working on that. I say if you can watch TV and watch the news in that language, that's my threshold. Mm -hmm. So are you up to that mm -hmm. yet? It depends. It depends. Okay. So most of my friends are Colombian. So if it's in a Colombian dialect with a Colombian accent, I'm on it. I got it. Okay. If you throw me into some some Mexican jargon or maybe an Argentinian accent, I'll struggle a little bit more. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Sounds like a good weekend and night uh, endeavor. Are you doing like one of those like app classes or online classes to do it? So I actually started out with Duolingo, which I think is great for vocabulary and just sort of exposure. Um, then I actually took the certificate program at Extended Studies really had some great experiences with the instructors there. And then I also used an app that's called Tandem, which is an app to find language partners. So I know English, I want to learn Spanish. It will give me a list of a whole bunch of people who know Spanish and want to learn English. And I was able to make some really incredible friends there. And uh, in 2019, before the pandemic, went down to Colombia and met a whole lot of those friends that I had made on that app. All right, 20 seconds or less. What's Last question, what's Colombia like? Oh, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. And if you have the opportunity, you should go. The people are incredible. The culture is incredible. The weather is amazing. They're one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. So you will find fruits and vegetables you've never heard of. You will see animals you've never seen before. It's really incredible. Sounds good. Appreciate you joining us here on the current podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.